This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Take my horticulture hat off and just talk like a gardener, just like a gardener, because sometimes we don't follow... Sometimes we don't follow all the rules. We just do whatever feels right at the time, and sometimes we know it ain't right. We do it anyway. That's because we're just knocking around the yard. The word amateur comes from to love, and that's what we do. It ain't to achieve something. It's to love. Just knocking around the yard sometimes enough. And I've got some things that I brought in from my garden this morning to chat about, but um, so it's a live program. So if there's some things you'd like to talk about, your lawn, your flowers, your shrubs, your vegetables, your trees, your potted plants, squirrels, whatever you want to talk about, I may not have an answer because I don't have an answer. And nobody I know has an answer, but we'll kick around some, you know, what would I do? What would I tell my mother to do? Anyway, we're going to start out this morning uh, in Jackson. Uh, we've got a guy named John. Good morning, John. Thank you for calling, man. Hello. Thank you for being there. Well, I walked in. It is muggy outside. Yeah, but it's outside, and outside <laughs> is great. There you go. You're right. Uh, although air conditioning is nice. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's up? What can I help you with? Well, I'm a lunatic that raises in, uh, plants to enjoy their insects. One of my favorite butterflies is the blue swallowtail. Yeah. It tastes bad and is the basis of a mimicry ring, if you'll forgive me for just one fact, because it shows how interesting insects are. Yeah. Butterflies that look like it are have protection from bird attacks. Mm-hmm. The big old yellow tiger swallowtail is yellow, male and female, up north without blue swallowtails. But down here, the female tiger swallowtail mimics looks like the blue swallowtail that hmm. gets protection. Yeah. Think of that. One of one of Darwin's proofs of his ideas happening right in your garden, right before our eyes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Over and over for longer than we've been here. And uh, you know, sometimes I do the same thing. Sometimes I try to look like a big old bad person when I'm walking around late at night. <laughs> hey, mimicry is great. It saved us all now and then. Yeah. Well, you got something garden that we can talk about, or just just are you just effusive in in love with nature? Well, nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm certainly in love with, with nature, and I'm grateful for you to make it so friendly and accessible. Well, but then. I have I I want to talk about the caterpillar of the blue butterfly, a wonderful little dragon in its own right mm-hmm. that feeds on. Dutchman's Pipe. Oh, yeah. Do you have any advice on the growth and use of this, to me, very interesting ornamental? Well, well, yes, but, you know, it's also kind of weedy. You know, and, and to me, you know, don't get me wrong, oak trees are weedy, too. Uh, but Dutchman's Pipe is, you know, our native one isn't quite as showy as some of the tropical ones you see, you know, in botanic gardens and, and that kind of thing. But uh, it's just, it's a native plant. It's, it's easy to grow here if you can get a start of it. Okay. Uh, how, how, how do you train it, and where would you put it? Um, it, it? It grows naturally the edge of woods, you know, tangled up in the, into the understory stuff. You know, it needs a little sunshine, uh, not hard, hard shade. But being a native to the southeast, it naturally is going to be—we you know, have prairie plants that are used to all-day sunshine out in the prairie. 
this part of the country is a woodland, natural woodland. So a lot of the native plants have been adapted to either grow in the shade or they're early, uh, they're early colonizers, to like there's a burn area or something. And there's some plants that take advantage of temporary openings, like along creek banks or, or uh, at the edge of some woodlands. And this is one of those. It needs to crawl up on stuff that, that, that can, can reach the sun. Just the thing for my porch. Thank you again, my friend. All right. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, I, my favorite butterfly is not a butterfly, and it's not a moth. It's called a skipper. Are you familiar with skippers? Oh, we've got a lot of skippers. And, you know, they are sort of transitional. Between, yeah. Uh, do you like the one with silver and, and uh, golden spots under the wings? Yeah. Yep. Well, there's, there's four or five that I've seen, you know, in central Mississippi. There's some great ones on the coast with long tails and all. But anyway, a lot of people just don't think of skippers. They're not moths. They're not butterflies, but they're real fast. They're frenetic. They, 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 they move around real quick. Little small things with bulgy eyes, and they fold their wings back like jets when they land. Absolutely. They're beautiful aerodynamically, and there are many, 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 many kinds. Yep. Skippers, my favorite. Well, you're a wise man. You've chosen well. Well, I was raised right. Yep. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, John. All righty, skippers, uh, not butterflies, not moths, little things. And you see them, usually they fly, they're real erratic, they go in circles, you know, they, they take off real quick, they land real quick, and most of them aren't much bigger than the, I'm going to say the end of my little finger. They're small, but there's some big ones with long wings that get uh, not quite thumb size, but skippers are really, really cool. Uh, now let's go down to the Gulf Coast to Biloxi. Hey, Hosey, good morning. Yes, um... I had I have this um, orange tree in my backyard. What what kind of tree? Orange tree? Yeah, for uh-huh. about twenty years, I guess. Fifteen, twenty years, somewhere around there. Yeah. And my dad got a sack of oranges from Florida, and I was eating oranges on the front porch and spitting them in a spitting seeds out in a certain place. You are so southern. If we got people not from the south listening, they think you are so southern and they'd be right. <laughs> well, they they sort of growing and I managed to uh, dig up one and plant it in a five gallon bucket. Uh huh. A year later I planted it in the backyard. Now Fifteen or twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, now the orange tree is about twenty-five foot tall, and it's it's loaded down with oranges. Yeah, to the top, to the bottom. Well, congratulations! That's great. Have, have, have you eaten any yet? No, they don't get ripe to December. Yeah. Well, here, here's is this the first year they've had them. No. Uh, they just had uh, other years that had no oranges, and yeah, and uh, a few years they had uh, a few uh, a few oranges, and some years that had none at all. Yeah, uh, and there's some reasons for that: pollination, rain, you know, temperatures, all sorts of things that can cause that. But a lot of fruit trees will have a really heavy crop one year and then skip a year. It's called biennial bearing. A lot of, a lot of fruit trees do that because it wears them out when they have too many fruits. But when you ate them, how did they taste? Nice and sweet. 
Well, the re- reason I'm asking because uh, a lot of trees, when, when you're growing from seed, they're, they're cross-pollinated, and they don't always get, let's say you plant a peat seed, you know, you're probably not going to get the peats that you ate because they get pollen from different varieties. And uh, But if you if you had one that came from seed, it's doing great. That's fantastic. There's an orange tree across the street in this lady's yard. They make big oranges, but it's real bitter. Yeah. Well, all righty, man. Congratulations. You think I can? Uh, you think I can uh, graft a uh, uh, branch off my tree onto it? Absolutely, there's no question about it. Uh, grafting is best done. You take the wood in the you, you is best done in the spring, just when the sap starts to rise. This time of year, it's not quite as easy because it's a hormonal thing. But in the springtime, when the trees are leafing out, they're starting sending energy down to the roots. That's the healing stuff that causes the graft to work. So if you yeah. want to do it, I'd, I'd wait till next oh, April or so, March or April. Yeah, right well, on my birthday. Yeah, there you go. Well, all righty. I appreciate it, man. Uh, can, uh, can, I, uh, can I do something about those? Uh, I guess I can't do anything about those thorns. They, uh, they'll stick you. Nope. That's just part of it, just like roses. Wouldn't be a rose without a thorn. Even though there's some thornless roses, that ain't playing fair. All right, appreciate your call, man. Let's go now to Ela. Ela is calling from Memphis. Hey, boy, we this like jerking us back and forth from top to bottom. What's up, Ela? Hi. Um, I wanted to first of all thank you for helping me save my Christmas uh, cactus. Did it work? And yeah, I did. I just I water it just like you said, and it's been doing really good. So not not too much. I said not too much, right? Yeah, no, no, not too much. Yeah, good. Um, once it's every 10 days or so and then saturate it and then let it be. So that's what I'm doing. Good. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, so but today I would like you to rescue my tomato plant. Oh, boy. Um, so the little ones, the cherry tomatoes, which are shorter also, are doing great. Um, they're, you know, ripening and everything. But the tall ones, the big, you know, like fat tomatoes and the Roma tomatoes are... You know, they're not ripening. Like, we got a ton of tomatoes on them, but they're not getting any. They're just staying green and white. Yeah. And then, and or stay so long that they get eaten up by whatever critters and, you know, whatever. Yeah. A lot lot of people, if you're aware of it, you don't realize that it's important. But tomatoes and peppers and all come from higher elevations where it cools off a little bit. Uh, In the Andes and South America. Uh, and sometimes, in, you know, different, and they'll adapt to a lot of conditions, but when it gets really hot, uh, it, mm-hmm. th- it throws their, their physiology off, and they just don't grow as well in the heat of the summer. They do up north because it, it doesn't get hot like, all night long like it does here, but plants get worn out when it doesn't cool down at night. And okay. uh, so about all you can, all I can recommend, first of all, this time of year, if they make some fruits, pop, mm-hmm. when, when they're still small, pop off all but one or two in a cluster because the energy will go to what's left. Make sure you water them really well, but don't keep them wet, and then give them a half-strength shot of fertilizer, half-strength. We, okay. we don't want to stress them too much because they're already stressed, but we want to encourage them to you know, do all their normal processes. Okay, so Miracle-Gro or whatever, but just Miracle-Gro, you know, I don't sell anything here, but Miracle-Gro is a, is a, ba- is a complete fertilizer. It's got all the little micronutrients and stuff. But, again, it calls for a scoop to, to a gallon 
put a half a scoop or a scoop to two gallons. It, it doesn't okay. seem like enough, but it's plenty. Okay. I have another question. Um, Epsom salt. What's yeah. the story about that? Um, it's borderline gimmick. What do you mean? Well, Epsom salts is uh, Epsom salts and uh, uh, magnesium sulfate. There's several different uh, micronutrients. Plants need them in very, very small amounts, uh, okay. but but it helps them. It's sort of like vitamins to us. You know, we can, meat and potatoes are great, but you need some green beans every now and then, and some mm-hmm. you know, and, and and some extra stuff. Well, Epsom salts has one of the extra stuff. A lot of people okay. use it strong and it greens plants up but it's not really that necessary a little bit goes a long ways and if you've got something like miracle grow it's already got it or if you're growing stuff in dirt in the in the southeast we've got plenty of of, of that in in our soil okay one last question um <clears throat> diatomaceous earth yeah go What's your opinion about it, and does it work with crickets and ants and whatever other? Yeah, diatomaceous earth is a very finely ground under microscope. It looks like broken glass, and right. certain certain things crawl on it, cuts your feet, it cuts their legs. It, you know, they get it on, they rub it on, it cut it, and basically it makes it makes small things leak. Uh-huh. And uh, and and it's okay, and it's it's safe for us too. But it's you know it it works on really small things and crawly things, and it washes away. So you have to keep reapplying right. it, and reapplying it. So you know there's 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 nothing. There's a lot of these things that people tout as miracle things, and they're good. But it's, I give you a, a classic example: um, rooting hormone. I mean, uh, 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 root stimulator. You know, every mm-hmm. garden center sells root stimulator. Look at the label. It's 99.9 something percent water. And the rest of it is stuff that plants already have. And does mm-hmm. it help? Yeah. Does it help a lot? Nah. Is it necessary? No. But does it make $5 for whoever sold it? You bet. So they're going to promote <laughs> it. So there's a, there's a lot of things out there that are based in science, but it's real stretched out science, picking on Got things. It. So no, okay. nothing wrong with that at all. Okay. Um, thanks. I will um, halfway feed my plants. Yeah, well, no, no, it's, it ain't halfway. It's full feeding them. That's what they like. Right. They, re- they, okay. they really like that. But it's just, they, they just, we don't want to push. It's just like you don't want to give a kid a bunch of sh- sugar right before bed. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's going to make them bounce off the wall. Got it. Okay, thank you so much. All right, appreciate it. All right. Take care, All righty. Interesting calls. Uh, most of, yeah, that's great. Woohoo. And I'm all about that. Um, and again, when I talk about things not being necessary, there's nothing wrong with using Epsom salts. Just don't overdo it. Nothing wrong with using uh, boric acid. Just don't overdo it. Nothing wrong with using diatomaceous earth. Just don't overdo it. Do it all the time. Nothing wrong with good fertilizer. Just don't overdo it. And uh, keep in mind that a lot of people had great gardens and great flowers and great vegetables and great laws before we had all these things because a lot of us in just dirt and all we need to do is supplement it a little bit. Uh, in other words, if somebody says you need to do this and you never heard of it before, there's a reason for that. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more calls. The lines are open. Got a couple of flowers to talk about, and I just noticed something about MPB that we're going to talk about. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. 
Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. By the way, in case you're wondering, Epsom salts is, uh, is a, 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 a folk name for magnesium sulfate. Magnesium is one of those micronutrients that plants need. Uh, they need a lot of nitrogen, a lot of phosphorus, a lot of potash, a good bit of calcium, but things like boron and zinc, magnesium, things like that, very, very small amounts. Most soils in the southeast have got plenty of it. Some places are deficient or it's been farmed out of the dirt, so that farmers add a little bit more to supplement it. But for potted plants, if you're growing things in containers, plants need all those essential and the micronutrients. They need all of them. Potting soils usually don't have them. So that's the reason I recommend if you're growing stuff in a container, look for a fertilizer, a potted plant fertilizer that has not only what they call NPK, those three big numbers, but read under uh, under the, the ingredients and see if it's got trace minerals. And it'll have things like calcium and zinc and boron and magnesium and all those things. Plants need all. They need a balanced diet, uh, but they also need a complete diet. And a complete diet means those little micronutrients. If you overdo it with some of these micronutrients, it can actually cause problems. By the way, Epsom salts gets its name from the fact it was first produced in a place called Epsom, England, just in case you wanted to know that. Uh, anyway, let's go to Paul calling from Gulfport. Hey, Paul, good morning, sir. Hi, how are you doing? So um, far, so good. What's up? Just a basic explanation. Of, uh, can you explain the difference between a hybrid plant and a genetic modified uh, system? Uh, well, a hybrid plant is a genetically, it's not genetically, it, it is, it's, it's modified through cross, uh, cross genetics, just like, like people are. are. But uh, when, when they take something, genetically modified something, when they actually, in a laboratory, take part of the sequence, part of the genetic material and alter it, a lot of times to do something that won't happen naturally, uh, you know, in other words, they're creating a. And the word monster doesn't necessarily mean a, a bad thing, but they're creating a, monst- a monstrosity, something that doesn't happen in nature. They're enhancing certain things, or they're adding things that normally aren't in there. Sort of like if we could find a way to get people to grow horns, which would be nice from a hat point of view. The the, the you know think of the cosmetic industry if we had different kinds of horns. But we don't. But it's possible to put the horn gene in there where people have horns. Not necessary. But anyway, genetically modified is usually done in a laboratory on a genetic level. But a hybrid is when you take two different but related uh, uh, creatures, plants, animals, whatever, and put their genes together and come up with a third thing. And that third thing usually can't propagate itself. It has to be, uh, let's say, you know, if you, uh, I'll tell you a, a good example. A mule is a hybrid. A mule can't produce mules. It's a cross between a donkey and a horse. And if you want to, or a seedless watermelon can't produce seeds. So you have to keep doing that cross every year to get the hybrid. And if you've got a hybrid plant that you can grow from cuttings, that's a piece of the original plant. So you can keep a hybrid going for a long time. But in general, hybrid is a cross between two different related things in general, genetic uh, 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 engineering is putting something into it that's not from its kin, if that makes sense. And it's real general what I'm saying. Basically cross-pollination versus like a laboratory mo- 
exactly, exactly. You know, you could take two peaches, two different peaches, and put them together and come up with a third peach, but you have to keep doing that over and over and over or take cuttings off that third one, and you can keep it going. But uh, 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 genetic, uh, genetic. the other thing would be like taking a peach tree and putting a, a fungus gene in that keeps worms from eating it. You see what I'm saying? Okay, one more quick question. Uh, can you tell us where we can buy your book on char- children's gardening? Who uh, that one? That was done by Better Homes and Gardens, and it's uh, you can get it online. But uh, better than that, rather than that, shoot me an email. I've got a, a, a forty pages of of that book that I can send you for free. All right, thank you. You bet. Have a good day. All right, boy, I really bumble through the genetic modification, the GM and the hybrids and the cultivars and all that kind of just you know it's a this is whole science behind it. And uh, so I may have not gotten it exactly right, but I'm enough of a scientist to know that. But anyway, um, I, I, before I take the next call, I just noticed MPB, we have these little coasters, these little uh, things, MPB Think Radio, and it's got the logo and it's got what looks like earphones around it. I don't know, you, you know, you know, Java, it looks like little earphones around it. Yeah, the logo, um, yeah, is, is the light bulb with the headphones. Yeah, but the headphones look just like this jalapeno that I brought in. Oh, wow. <laughs> Same they shape. do. Well, they do. <laughs> they do. Well, let, let's use this picture on today's podcast thing. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's go to Jonathan uh, calling from Mobile. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, good morning, Felder. What's up? So, all right, say you bought a nice, cute little house in uh, Midtown Mobile, right? Yeah. And it's got this beautifully uh, blooming lemon tree. Yeah. Okay? You harvest all the lemons in December, but you realize that the lemon tree is growing, like, over the front door of your shed, and you can't get into it anymore. Yep. So you prune it all back in probably December after you've harvested all the lemons, and then this year there are absolutely no lemon buds on it. Hmm. What do I do now to make sure this thing comes back next year? Stop pruning it so hard. Okay. Yeah, you know, they bloom, you know, essentially in the winter, winter, late winter, early spring. On buds that were formed the fall, the late summer and fall before. So if you prune them pretty hard, there go all those things. So uh, the, the way to prune uh, a, a plant that, that blooms in the spring, whether it's lemons or blueberries or whatever, is... Um, just thin out some of the stuff. Instead of pruning it all one year, cut some this year, cut some next year, you know, and, right. and use that approach. But, uh, you know, that, I think you just pruned it too hard is all. Okay. All right. So all is not lost. No, 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 no. All right. Cool. Thank you. Hey, let me ask this. You got kids? I do. Are they old enough to where, are they young enough where you can mess with them? Oh, absolutely. Go get some, some oranges and lemons and bananas and put them on a little piece of wire and hang them on the tree <laughs> will do. They, they won't remember they're not going to remember all they remember is daddy had all these things they had all bananas and oranges lemons on the same tree and it'll mess them <laughs> up for life absolutely <laughs> they'll be confused i mean you know it, mama's not listening is she uh she might be i can't swear she's not okay well you know just good luck on that <laughs> <laughs> all right, <appreciate> it. <laughs> see you man 
All righty. I also have, uh, I brought in a flower for my garden. It's an unusual flower. But, you know, usually I'm in England this time of year. This is the first year in 11 or 12 years I've been here, and I forgot some of my great, great summer plants that grow without me, without water, without fertilizer, you know, old-fashioned plants, and that bloom in the summer, and I haven't seen them in years. This one is called Hidden Hidden Ginger, uh, curcuma petiolata, curcuma. It's it, it, not a real ginger, but it's a ginger family. It's, the plant gets up about, oh, knee-high, not quite, a little bit more than knee-high. Looks like a, a little canna with crinkled leaves, uh, nice nice spear-shaped leaves. But hidden down in the foliage is the most incredible parrot lily looking thing. It's unbelievable. It's uh, big as my fist. It's pink. It's got yellow flowers. It's really, really exotic. Hidden ginger. It's called that because the flower is hidden. I have to cut the foliage away to see the flowers. Uh, but also, it grows from a flattened group of rhizomes, like a, uh, sort of like an iris, and they're really good zesty. If you like zesty ginger flavor, these are perfectly edible. This plant will, is the most incredible drought-tolerant plant. grows in the southeast. Uh, it'll be hardy probably in Memphis, but that's one of the few ginger-type plants that'll, that'll tolerate a good bit of cold. But hidden ginger or curcuma. Uh, I think we'll, we'll um, if you go to our podcast today, uh, I'll have a picture of the MPB logo with the uh, with the the third earphone being a um, jalapeno pepper. But I'll also have this picture of this beautiful pink hidden ginger. Uh, now let's go to, um, to let's talk with Campbell in Jackson. Good morning, Campbell. Thanks for holding. Absolutely, Felder. How are you this morning? So far, so good. It's a little muggy out there, but I'm cheerful about it. That's a good attitude to have about it. Yes, um, it works. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a quick question. I've I've heard that coffee grounds can be a really good fertilizer for plants, but I know that coffee is really acidic, so it makes a really acidic environment. And I wonder if you knew any plants kind of off the top of your head that I could fertilize kind of regularly with coffee grounds. Yeah, you can you can fertilize any plant with it. The acidity thing is almost again, it's one of those things that yeah, it's true, but really doesn't make that much of a difference. You know, you okay. have to really concentrate stuff. Uh, I will say this, though. It takes uh, the fertilizer value. It's got a good bit of nitrogen. Fertilizer value comes as the grounds decompose and break down and release their the nitrogen in them. So uh, if you want a uh, fast effect, uh, steep them in some water, you know, for a couple of three days. Make a tea out of it and then use that because it pulls the stuff out of the but uh, I would, you know, you can just scatter it on the ground. It's not, it's, it's, it's not too strong, and the acidic thing is not that big a deal. It's really, really a lot of people split hairs and and get whole websites built on it. Okay, I right, just, that's I, good information. I, I just throw mine everywhere. Yeah, well, I, I drink coffee every morning, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping to have a bunch of indoor plants now, so that'd be a good cheap way to have fertilizer and just kind of reduce and reuse you know yeah but if you you know if you put it on top of your potting soil you know it doesn't decompose as well you got to keep in mind outdoors they got worms they got bacteria and fungi all sorts of things that break organic matter down the composting things and they're mm-hmm. what they're what break these things down into elements that plants can use so unless you mix it in with the potting soil it's going to take a long time to have any real value okay but, so it's but, more it's more effective outside yeah, or, or or just take time. The main thing is don't end up with what looks like, uh, you know, piles of coffee on your potted plants. <laughs> Will do. Okay. All right. hey, enjoy. Cool. Thanks. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Yeah, nitrogen. Uh, coffee ground got a good bit of nitrogen. Uh, let's slide up to Oxford and uh, see what's going on in Lafayette County. Good morning, Wendy. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Cheerful. 
I'm calling because I did a bad thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling to confess and see if you can help me make things right. Keep I it have, clean. Keep it clean. <laughs> I have creeping Charlie in my lawn. And oh. uh, I spent hours trying to pull it out until I finally realized that was not going to work. And oh. then I bought a chemical. And, yeah. Bad. Yeah. I bought a chemical called Fertilome that was supposed to be good on well, that's, um, yeah, that's, St. Fertilome is a, is a company brand, but it could be Fertilome what? Because there are a lot of different things sold under the Fertilome brand. Um, v, it's called VPG. Does that make sense? I'd, I'd have to look it up. Anyway, was it for weeds? Yeah, it was. It it said it was specifically for uh, Saint Augustine and centipede, mm-hmm. and to kill creeping Charlie. And actually listed it, and I think yeah. they also call it ground ivy. Anyhow, even though a million people said it was wonderful, here, here, uh, it killed my grass. Here, here's the deal: <laughs> uh, when we use weed killers, we're basically employing the principles of chemotherapy. You know, you have to apply the right dosage, sometimes lighter than recommended, over a period of time. Two or three light applications works better than one regular application. Uh, if you overdo it a little bit or you stand there with a hose, which basically concentrates it, then you overdose it and you kill the patient. So what will kill most broadleaf weeds in St. Augustine or Centipede will kill St. Augustine or Centipede if you do it too strong or too often. Or mm-hmm. if the weather's hot or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's got all these little nuances. So in general, uh, if you have a problem like that, what I would do would be to use whatever they're recommending, less than recommended strength, a couple of times, maybe three times a week or two apart. In other words, just, just like we do chemotherapy, you don't zap stuff. You've got to keep coming a little at a time. And that'll weaken well, the weeds and not hurt the grass. And second time, will weaken the grass, but it'll take the weeds out. Uh-huh. And is there any other way to get? First of all, I guess I wonder: Will the grass come back? That uh, uh, if, if it's if it's dead, it's dead. You know. Uh, yeah. But let me. I bet you got a shady yard too, don't you? Yeah. Uh, ground ivy was what we used in the South as a as a lawn as a ground cover before we started promoting Saint Augustine and Centipede in the past century or so. Uh, it used to be called estate grass because all the estates, that's what they had. It grows great in the shade. St. Augustine, Centipede, do not. There are no grass, no shade-loving grasses, just shade-tolerant grasses. And St. Augustine mm-hmm. is probably the best. But sooner or later, it's going to get thinner, it's going to get weaker, it's going to get poor root system. Uh, stretching, you know, is going to get, because it needs the energy from the sun, and it's more susceptible to weed killers. So what I would recommend, if you still got good uh, any kind of grass at all, put your mower at the highest setting and then mow it every half as often. The, if you ride around Oxford or any place in the south, you'll see great St. Augustine lawns in old parts of town because they don't mow that often. And when they do, they don't uh-huh. mow it very close. That's, uh-huh. what's, that's what St. Augustine, from its point of view, needs. And if we impose a carpet grass type effect on it, it just... It thins out a weekend. So in the shade, it's more important to have more leaves to get what little sun there is. And it'll actually shade out some of the, you know, the ground ivy, which, by well, the way, has... You just got, gave me an idea, though. I mean, what about 
a ground ivy lawn. You said that's the way they used that, to that's, do? That's, I was raised with that. My great-grandmother's a horticulturist. That's what she had. She had a sunny area with grass. We mowed it. But in the shaded areas, it was ground ivy. It was a little mondo grass and things like that because she knew that grass doesn't grow in the shade. It, it's a prairie plant from Asia. And uh, so, you know, we try to do that, and we see examples of it, so we try to do what they do, and it's a struggle for the grass. So uh, anyway, ground ivy is a wonderful old estate grass, and it's got that nice little spicy uh, smell when you mow it. And and if you look at it up close, it's got pairs of little tiny orchid-like flowers. Wow. I'm just saying, it it loves the shade, doesn't like the sun. So, you know, you can... Well, you've ha- given me an idea. Maybe that's what this is all about. Yeah, I'll you give know, that a try. Yeah, and uh, one other thing, the, one of the folk names for ground ivy is gill over the ground. Gill? G-I-L? G-I-L-L, like fish gills. Gill over the ground. <laughs> Little things like this help us accept this changing situations. Gotcha. That's really great. I really appreciate it. Thank well, you so good, much. Good luck on it. Thanks. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. I studied turf management in Mississippi State. I wrote the foreword to the best-selling lawn care book in the South. I know what I'm talking about here, and I don't sell anything, but it's not what everybody wants to hear. Let me throw out one last thing. I just read something for Texas A&M, Aggies, and the Florida University of Florida, those two in, in Georgia, but Florida, Georgia, Texas A&M, they really put a lot of effort into into their public outreach stuff. They put out brochures and bulletins that remind me that what I was taught in college over 40 years ago about turf management and learned ever since then from going to seminars, including the Scots people up in, in, in Ohio, is that if you want a good, healthy, thick, drought-tolerant, deep-rooted, weed, insect, disease-resistant lawn in the summertime – Raise your mower. <laughs> mow grass at the highest setting in the summer helps it have a deeper root system, helps it cope with the heat and the drought. This is what Texas A&M says, University of Florida says, uh, University of Georgia say. So I'm going to stick with it. Anyway, let's uh, go to, I guess we're going to take a real quick break. Got a little cheesy music, right? <laughs> really cheesy thing. Hope you like it, folks. Can I do this to kind of shake things up, sort of like taking your Etch-a-Sketch and turn it upside down and give us some good shakes? But we got some callers on the line. We're going to come back and, and talk with that. Meanwhile, I'm going to uh, give Java a picture of this MPB logo with the earphones that look like jalapenos, and I'm going to put one of my jalapenos like a smile beneath it, and also this hidden ginger. If you get a chance later, go to mpbonline.org, check out the Gestalt Gardener, and you'll see a picture of these things, hidden ginger and the uh, earphone-shaped pepper. Horticulture's fellow rushing me and Java Chapman and uh, Kevin Farrell. We're up here trying to bring fun to you. Give us a call when we come back for this break. Bunny, 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 you're so funny with your twitching nose. Bunny, 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 you're so funny from your head to your toes. Bunny, 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 your ears are funny, they're too big for you. Bunny, 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 though you're funny, everyone loves you. 
Oh, you pretty bunny, may I come near? Can I hold you and touch your ear? Oh, you pretty bunny, I love you so. Stay with me, oh, please don't go. Bunny, 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 you're so funny with your twitching nose. Bunny, 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 you're so funny from your head to your toes. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Rushing. If you want to email me about your garden during the week, garden at mpbonline.org. A little bit behind on my emails this week. Um, just finished up well, working with the, the, the new Flag Commission, the Mississippi Flag Commission, uh, coming up with designs tomorrow, Saturday, is the deadline for submitting flag design ideas. They're going to look at all of them. They're going to make sure that they, none of them have Confederate symbols. They're going to make sure they all have In God We Trust, which is what the legislature mandated. If it doesn't have In God We Trust on it, they're not even going to consider it. But if you've got some flag design ideas, you can send it to the Mississippi Department of Archives and History today or tomorrow, but that's the deadline. And Anyway, I made a presentation about putting a magnolia on our state flag. We are the magnolia state. They heard it. They got the nice little brochure and uh, had a good time chatting with several of the commission members and you know it's out of my hands now it's up to y'all i'm not submitting a flag design so i hope that at least some of them have the magnolia on it let's go uh to brandon and talk with jesse good morning jesse thank you for holding good morning how are you this morning so far so so good what's up well um got a little bit of a disaster that happened with my pepper plant Uh oh um i was uh putting it into a uh bigger pot repotting it and it broke off about midway up on the stem pretty much completely severing it from uh the root system yeah what kind of plant uh, was it again it's a uh, ghost pepper plant yeah gotcha it'll sprout back um, out it'll sprout back out uh, okay because so far most of the leaves have pretty much died off but the peppers uh since i've repotted in fresh potting soil and everything and given a little bit extra fertilizer it's They're still uh, maturing and changing colors right now. I was just wondering if there's anything else I need to do. No, not really. I mean, did it? It 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 almost broke half in two. Oh, it completely severed. The roots are gone. Yeah. Um. Hmm. You know that. Here's the thing: the peppers, the fruits on a plant, you can pull them off a plant. They'll continue to get softer and they'll color up, but they're not going to get any more ripe. You know, it's like pulling a tomato or a peach or something. When you pull it, that's as, that's as mature as it's going to get, but it will slowly start to decay, which means changing color, softening, and that kind of thing. It's a decay. not going to get any hotter or more flavorful. So basically the, the peppers, if they're not connected to the roots, uh, they're basically, you know, go ahead and start you drying them and do whatever you want to with them because they're not going to get any more mature. Okay. But, but it should eventually start regrowing roots. 
Uh, depend, if it's really big, it might not. You know, cuttings need to be fairly small, you know, because until they grow roots, they don't have the ability to get the moisture and the nutrients they, they, they need. So, you know, they really, if okay. you're going to try to root a cutting, a little short piece is four, five, six inches long, how you do those. Okay. So I will give that a try. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Did you do this? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, we just hug each other and move on. All right. <laughs> not much else you can do. Uh, it's not too late to start some new ones, by the way. If you know, if, if you get your hands on some seeds, you can still plant stuff right now and get a a good crop before fall. So, but we're you know sort of getting at the end of that time. First couple of weeks or so in 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 August is sort of the cutoff date for planting summer stuff. Okay, and could I use the seeds directly from the peppers themselves, or would I need to buy some if, uh, from a store? If they're mature, if you got some peppers that are mature. You know they've already got good color and everything. You know then they should they should be viable. But if they're still green, they might not. The seeds might not be mature enough to to sprout. Okay. Well, and I've got some there salvageable, and that's no problem. Have you bitten into one lately? Uh, bit one into one uh, yesterday, How'd and it work? they are about as hot as I would have expected, and then some. Well, I, I would say you've got a successful crop this year. So harvest, harvest the ones you can and try to grow a few more from seeds, but sound like you got a success. All right. Well, I appreciate that, Felder, and thanks I, for your advice. I, I mean, come on. How, how, many, how many of these things can you use? Come on. <laughs> well, I actually use them constantly in uh, barbecue rub and barbecue sauce. Uh, good, good flavor, good flavor. One of my favorite little hot peppers are called chili piquin. Little bird's eye pepper. Oh. They're they're not much bigger than a small English pea, and mine are loaded with these small. They're called poppers. You pop one in your mouth, and that's all it takes. But they don't have the flavor that the ghost peppers have. I'll agree with you on that one. They are hot though. Yeah, that's for sure. All righty, man. Good luck on it. All right. Thank you very much. You I bet. appreciate. See ya. Okay, now we're gonna go go down to Mobile. Hey, Gene. Good morning, sir. Hey, another, another pepper question. Yeah. I got a pimento pepper. I planted this about two foot tall now, and uh, I planted it for the fall because I can't ever get any pimento peppers to grow in the summertime. But anyway. That's what I uh, do, too. I, I, I plant pepper plants this time. If you can get them, planting in July, first part of August, they always produce better than oh, yeah. those struggling through the summertime. But anyway, uh, what I want to know, if I, I had a couple of blooms on here a while back, but it has not no blooms on it now. I need to put some kind of fertilizer or something to make a bloom a little bit better. Uh, Gene, are these in pots or in the ground? In a pot. Yeah. Uh, half strength, a good quality uh, liquid, uh, plant fertilizer, half strength. You want to spoon feed peppers. You know, In other words, uh, fertilize, whether you do it every two or three weeks or whatever, because that fertilizer washes out of potting soil. So yeah. uh, I would say half strength, and that'll make them sturdy and, and grow, and then they'll really pick up uh, in a month or so. All right, one other question. Uh, the peppers have got some kind of white-looking stuff on them. I had some on my tomato plants just before they died. They were dying anyway, but it looked like uh, just a white. It wasn't bird droppings, but it it looked kind of similar like this, some kind of white-looking scale or something on there. I don't know what the hell it is. I don't, I don't know either. You know, without seeing a picture, did you? could you rub it off or could you mash it? Yeah, you can rub it off. Okay, well, it, it, it's, it's some kind of mold-type thing. And we're, we've seen a lot of that because of humidity. But if it rubs off okay and the leaves are green up under there, I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, well, 
I just I didn't know the, the Raider fans were dying anyway because yeah. at the end of their end of their season, but all, they were all full up in this stuff. That plant got a little bit of that stuff on it, but not much. Yeah, uh, you know, I just rub it off if you can. Well, it, let me it, how about five four zeros? That stuff any good for anything? I got some. No, I don't even know. I've never heard of that. It's a it's a it's a, it's a fertilizer. It's a organic fertilizer. I got it from a, a landscape people. Yeah, or, organic fertilizer. That means it got five percent nitrogen, four percent uh, phosphorus, and no potash. And potted plants need potash and also zinc and copper and stuff like so that. So you need all, all three of them. Then uh, you also need the micronutrients for growing stuff in containers. They don't have the little goodies, the vitamins that that dirt has in it. Really? So, so you know, and again, I don't recommend brands normally, but the most commonly available one that has all that stuff is is Miracle Grow, and well, there'll I be could, some others out there. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't think of the name. I swear, I, I'm gonna get me some Miracle Grow and just douse that on there. But anyway, half, half strength, half strength. That's kind of like me. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck on it, man. All right, thank you, man. You bet. Bye bye. Okay, let's go down to Long Beach. Hey, Leela. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fine. I'm sitting here enjoying my jalapeno. Everybody talking about peppers. I brought me a jalapeno in. I might eat it when I walk home. What's up? <laughs> well, it's hot enough out there, so you might as well have a hot That's mouth, right. too. Yeah, and, and get this. Hot peppers, not only they're, they, they're hot, but they get your digestive uh, uh, juices going, but it also has a cooling effect on your body. It, it actually cools you off, uh, plus you get that nice little endorphin rush later. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, well that's the reason they eat them in, in hot climates. These little poppers, you know, they make you sweat, which cools you off. But anyway, okay. what, what's up this morning? Well, I have to change the subject a little bit from peppers. Mm -hmm. But I bought this house in December, and I have a half the yard is oak trees, and the other half is grass. And so over underneath the trees, I have basically just let it go. Yeah. I just want to see what's going to come up. And there's a lot of variety over there, but I noticed one thing that I don't like, and I'm, I don't want to even go around it. It's it's uh, poison. I think it's poison oak. No, poison ivy. Po poison oak is more of a shrub. We see more of that out west. But a poison okay. ivy, it can be look like a bush, but it's poison ivy. It's really just, cre it's one like long, because it's reaching for the sun, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of wrapped around another plant yeah um my concern is how do i get it out of there without getting it all over myself okay this is something in in my, my, my organic friends take great umbrage when i say this but keep in mind i've been published by rodell press i've written for organic mm -hmm. garden magazine i understand all these issues but there's nothing that's more effective and safer believe it or not than roundup I'm not making okay. this up. And, you know, don't don't use it for 20 years every day and bathe in it because okay. it can okay. cause problems. It's like red yeah. meat and fried food. Too much is a bad thing. If you'll go out with a little hatchet or something and just chop the plant close to the ground, just chop it, maybe take two chops to make a little chunk out of it. The stuff okay. above there will die naturally. It'll drop its leaves and all that. But the one, okay. the part that's left will, will sprout back out. Let it sprout out and spray that because Roundup is only absorbed through okay. green tissue and yeah. it has a shorter distance to go to the root and it won't hurt your tree trunk. I've done this I don't know how many times um, okay. once and for all, but chop it off, let it sprout back out and spray that. Okay, that's what I'll do because I just don't want it 
continuing. Well, I, I understand. Um, I'm horribly allergic. Poison ivy is a great native plant. It's got good, uh, it, it's, believe it or not, supports wildlife. It's got beautiful fall colors. I enjoy it, but not in my yard. No, thank exactly. you. But anyway, yeah. it, it may work better if you'll do this over the winter and let the new growth come out in the spring when it's really actively growing around it works, okay. b- works better than during hot, I'll dry spells. Deer around it for now. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good luck on it. All right, appreciate it. Oh, let me give you a real quick design tip. Where the grass is starting to peter out in the shade, sometimes make you a line, a straight line, a curve, a wiggly line, whatever. So where on this side is grass, on that side is not grass, it'll look like you know what you're doing instead of letting it peter out. Make a distinct sort of, it's like a yin-yang thing. You know, make the the grass, here's up up to here's grass, it'll look better. My dog has done that for me. She doesn't like <laughs> walking in the deep grass because, you know, yeah. the grass is deep because we don't mow it low. That's and good. So that's, he's that's got a nice time. little path. Good. So it, it's working out great. Perfect, perfect, perfect. <laughs> now, re- remember, if the dog gets in the poison ivy and you pet the dog, you're going to get oh, poison boy. ivy. I forgot about that. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> okay, we got time for another call. Let's go down to Mobile, Alabama, talk with Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Great show as usual. I'm so glad I've learned so much already, but I got a question regarding um, a caller had called in a few weeks ago saying that that, uh, she wanted to know how to get rid of a plant that you said had either naturalized or was native, and it was a vining pepper plant. Yeah, Um, pepper vine. I was looking through a cookbook uh, uh, on Indian spices, and the, the picture of the vining pepper plant, are we talking about like the the, like the black pepper, white yeah. pepper, green pepper plant. That no, 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 no. Pepper vine, I, I don't know what the one, because there's a lot of plants all over the world that look alike. But right. unless I know for sure. But anyway, the the one that she's talking about is commonly called pepper vine. It's got a real interesting little, almost a ferny looking divided leaf and nice little, uh, and I've got it in my garden. But, and it's not edible then. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know, because like I say, it could be, Something, I mean, just like I've got a plant that came up my yard that looks like a pepper, but it's a daily nightshade. It looks like a pepper. It's okay, a pretty... well, why don't you eat some and find out? Nope. Okay, okay. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I do not. Okay, I don't want to hear about it. La, 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 la. <laughs> we got a scoop, Mikey. Hey, really good to hear from you. All righty, folks. I got another letter from, uh, from uh, M.T. Graham about... Um, um, elderberry and some of the wonderful uh, health benefits from it. I really don't get into health-related uh, uh, medicinal plants. I don't get into that at all for liability reasons. As a professional journalist, if one person misunderstands what I say and messes up, I can actually be sued. So I stay away from edible mushrooms. I stay away from medicinal plants just as a matter of professional courtesy to people who are real experts on that. But anyway... I've got this uh, jalapeno picture, and right by the MPB radio logo and the hidden ginger. We're going to post this picture on, on our uh, the Gestalt Gardener podcast. You want know, to check them out when you get a chance. I want to thank everybody who supported through the petition of putting a, a uh, magnolia flower on our new state flag. Uh, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who signed it. The people, the powers that be, got the petition. They got the thing. They understand. And if somebody submits a flag that looks really, really good, it's got a magnolia on it, it has a good fighting chance. Anyway, folks, it's hot, it's dry. Raise your mower, relax, garden in the morning, wear a hat, stay hydrated. 
Uh, but take a kid to a farmer's market. Take a kid. Garden centers are hungry right now, but they've got stuff that you can plant now for fall. Uh, take a kid to a garden center or to a farmer's market. Let them meet real people who really grow stuff and can explain things to them. And if nothing else, take them outside, wiggle your fingers in the dirt, and show them how we do. Show them how what we do best, and that's get dirty. Thank you. 